0: All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I am recording this right around 10 p.m. I waited for most of the games to finish up. The Sixers versus Lakers game is in the middle of the fourth quarter. Looks like the Sixers are going to win that one after it got a little bit close there for a while. But I'll be checking on that one just in case during the middle of this pod. On this episode, we are going to cover a variety of topics. Uh, we're going to go over some of the results around the NBA. We're going to go over priorities for the Nuggets down the stretch and what they really need to be thinking about as this season winds down. But first, we have to talk about Michael Malone. Uh, it was reported today by Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, I was actually talking to my roommate during this conversation or during uh, during this news drop, so I kind of missed it initially. But Michael Malone gets an extension from the Denver Nuggets in the midst of what has been a pretty tough season for Denver, what has been a tough season for Malone, I think, where he's had to react in a variety of different ways to Jokic obviously playing well, but the bench was really struggling. Uh, There's just a lot going on, not having Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. But the Nuggets... I think my first thoughts here, uh actually before that, initially the terms were unknown on this deal, and, and we didn't really know necessarily how long this contract was going to last. I don't really care about the dollar amount. I hope that he gets paid like a top ten coach. That's the that's the hope for sure. But the Nuggets, uh it looks like they are gonna keep him through the 2024-2025. NBA season. So if you kind of do the math here with me, we're in 21 22 right now. Denver's got 2023 2024, or no, they've got 22 23 and then 2023 2024. And then you've got 24 25 in three calendar years from now, basically. So what this means to me is that the Nuggets are basically giving him a two-year extension. He was going to be under contract for next season, but coaches coaching on the last year of contracts doesn't usually happen. It's it's just a lot of pressure to be dealing with. So he is basically being given a two-year extension. Given that the Nuggets have had all of the, the stuff that they've had happen this year, the Nuggets clearly are not overreacting. That was my first thought here was that despite the fact that it's probably going to be a disappointing finish, that there are a lot of teams in the West that are competing for it this year that look pretty good, it looks like it's going to be the Utah Jazz's last hurrah. Luka Doncic and the the Mavs have caught lightning in a bottle here with their defense. I don't think that that's going to last into next year, but we'll just have to see. Obviously, the Suns are playing extremely well. They have a culture that's going to be established for a long time. I don't think they're going anywhere. But there's just a lot of teams that have really risen to the challenge this year. And Denver is now down at the sixth seed, despite the fact that they have the talent of, I think, a top three team in the West. That talent has just been injured. It's been out. And it's likely going to mean that Denver, whether they're in the play-in tournament, whether they're a first-round exit, maybe they win a round expectations have definitely shifted in Denver, but I'm glad that didn't kind of put more pressure on Malone and the team because I do think that Malone has earned more time in Denver. He's earned the opportunity to see this through. My second thought was that continuity is king. The Nuggets have always, always, always opted for continuity They've had their opportunities to go different ways. They've had opportunities to trade different guys. They've Had multiple opportunities to go a different way with their coach. They've decided against that this time. And I think it's the right call because with Murray and Porter being out and then Jokic playing as well as he has, you want to see what this group looks like together. You want to see how they fare together when they're given a full runway. And there's no reason – to introduce a new element of a coach in there, into that regard. So I'm not surprised that they've gone this direction. I'm also not surprised that one of the first things that came to mind as well was Nikola Jokic's Supermax. His extension is looming this summer. Them signing Michael Malone to a contract extension, they've already extended Jamal Murray for his rookie deal, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon this past offseason, Now you're committing to Michael Malone, which means, in my opinion, that they have a very strong inkling that Jokic will re-up this summer on his Supermax deal. And that's really what matters most, right? That's really the, the thing that makes the most difference overall. If you don't have that, then what do you have really, I think, is a very fair question. But it seems like they feel pretty good about it. Seems like they feel like they're in a pretty good spot. And that's a great sign. For the future of this franchise. Now, was this the right move? Is Michael Malone the coach to take this team over the top? I think that this was the right move. I still have a couple questions about Malone in general just his temperament, how he sort of reacts to different situations. I feel like Denver sometimes they need somebody who's a little bit more mellow, but honestly, sometimes they need somebody who's fiery. They need somebody to light a fire. Under them, at times. You think to the benching of the entire starting lineup against the Boston Celtics. How did the team respond to that? Well, they played a little bit better in the second half of that game. And then they came out and they played a very intense, uh, effective game against the LA Clippers. And was it their best showing? No. But it could have been worse. It certainly, certainly could have been worse. So? I think that this was a very reasonable deal for the Nuggets to make. I think that they want to see this through. They want to see what Michael Malone can do with this group. And it was just an unfair hand that was dealt to him this year. You've got Bones Highland, who he's trying to develop as a rookie point guard. You hear uh, Popeye Jones in one of the pressers call Bones Highland more of a Jordan Clarkson type, somebody who they think is off the ball. And so it wasn't just Michael Malone, I think, who thought that Jordan or who thought that Bones Highland needed to be a backup shooting guard, needed to be somebody who was set like had the table set for him. One of the decisions that Malone made in benching one of his favorite players for sure, and Faku Kambazo, that had to hurt. But he still did it, and the Nuggets are better for it. And Bones Highland has shown some great development, and Michael Malone has trusted him in these situations, and. That's a really, really big deal, and it's going to probably pay dividends next year and in future years. I would be shocked if it didn't. I also get a little bit annoyed at the Mark Jackson comparison all the time. I think it's wrong, and there's a a fair number of reasons why it's wrong. First of all, Mark Jackson isn't a good coach. He never has been a good coach, and there's no reason to believe that he got the most out of the Golden State Warriors when he was there. Didn't necessarily use Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, right? Didn't necessarily use Draymond Green the right way. The lack of creativity was definitely an issue. And I honestly believe that Michael Malone has a much more creativity than a Mark Jackson or somebody like that. He gets criticized in a lot of different ways for the way he like runs his rotations and things like that. But think about the way that he utilizes Jokic. Think about the way after seven years, and he probably wasn't the first guy to really latch onto this idea. Don't get me wrong. But the way that they use Jokic now has really developed the entire team in a strong way to the point where Jokic is one of the most unique players in the NBA And the Nuggets utilize him in so many different ways that that's how Denver earns wins. It's like Jokic, obviously, talented player first and foremost. That's the most important thing with their group. But I do think that without Malone to kind of give him the reins, but also really lock in on him defensively, really make sure that that's instilled in him, that he has to make that level of impact too. I think there's a lot to that. I think that's a really big deal. And I just can't even imagine NBA teams and how they would deal with Denver right now. Like So much has been made of how the Nuggets can't really pass the ball to Jokic, how they can't really design a scheme that can attack that. I can't really imagine a way the teams could do that with Murray and Porter out there as well. So if you give the team their best floor spacers probably isn't as much of an issue as many people think so what do we have here we have the fifth longest or fifth yeah fifth longest tenured coach in the nba in michael malone we have a coach that has a great relationship with his star player a star player that clearly vouches for his coach and a coach that has shown that he can win in the playoffs even under difficult circumstances. The fact that Denver won a first-round series last year is a really big deal with the, the injuries that they had. So, I do think that Denver, once they get their guys back, once they get healthy, are in a good position where Michael Malone can make good on this contract. And that as long as he connects well with Michael Porter Jr., as long as he gives him a little bit of runway, like he did with Bones Highland, And as long as they continue to implement those defensive schemes that can mostly take away from the issues that Denver was plagued against Phoenix in that playoff series, I do think that Denver will be in a great position where they can win a title. Not just compete for one, not just kind of be a fringe contender, but they could actually win it. And there's a lot of stuff that also goes into the front office with this. They've had a couple opportunities to upgrade on guys and and try to string together the best roster that they can. And they've had some hits and they've had some misses. So this offseason is going to be a really big deal in terms of making sure that this contract extension doesn't go to waste. I think you got to give Michael Malone a major defensive guy, somebody that he can rely on. But you've also got to put him into a position where he can use the offensive players in a really effective way. And if you give him a good mix, then I think he will make good on this contract. I really do. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to go around the NBA, talk about some of the results from today. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I love DraftKings. They've given me a lot of great opportunities to promo them, a lot of great opportunities that I love to take advantage of, that everybody else should be taking advantage of too. Tomorrow, Gonzaga plays Arkansas in the very first game of the Sweet 16. Villanova plays Michigan in the second game. There are some great games going on tomorrow, as well as in the NBA. But the promo going on for DraftKings right now, You bet $5 if you're a new customer. You bet $5, you get $200 in free bets. If the team that you pick wins. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS where you bet $5 on any college hoops team. And if they win, you get $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply, minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Back here, pick, and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, Five Stars on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be fantastic. Alright, let's go around the NBA. Absolutely copying my friends over at DNVR, where they go around the association. Uh, we're going around the NBA, and I wanted to make sure... That we covered some of the results in the NBA today because, look, it's an off day for the Nuggets. They have some uh, good rest here, uh, but there were some other teams, like basically every other team in the West playoff picture played today, and I wanted to make sure to cover some of these results and, and how they affect Denver right now. The big one, Minnesota versus Phoenix. Uh, this was a very, very interesting game, and it went down to the wire where Minnesota had to stop Phoenix in some way, shape, or form in clutch time, and they just could not. There was no way that they could. Phoenix executed so well, did so many great things, and Minnesota got into foul trouble. They, They got into some weird stuff with the refs, and it just definitely seems like Phoenix is one of those teams that is just a team of destiny, I think Matt Moore called them. Yeah, definitely seems like it. But either way, a great result for the Nuggets that against the Phoenix Suns, Minnesota loses. The Nuggets' magic number for the top six seed, because Minnesota lost, drops to eight with nine games left to go. The Timberwolves, they have a ton of work to do, and they only have eight games left if their goal is to get out of the play in and get into the playoffs. They do have a game against Denver that will really really sway matters. But they're 42 and 32. The Nuggets are 43 and 30. They have a game and a half lead right now, but it really is only a one game lead because of the tiebreaker situation. So, if the T-Wolves go 6 and 2 in their final 8 games, they get to 48 and 34. If Denver goes 6 and 3, they get to 49 and 33. That's not an impossible result. And the T-Wolves, I think it's pretty generous to give them six and two based off of their remaining schedule, based off of what's going on. I hypothetically give them the win against the Nuggets in this situation, but Denver's schedule is mostly teams that they should be able to beat if they're really focused. I think Denver's going to be pretty focused for the rest of the season, but we're going to see. I think that even if Denver slips up and, and they only get to 48 and 34, it's possible that the tables will lose and they don't necessarily get to that threshold either. So we're going to see. Also, the Suns are on a back-to-back in Denver on Thursday night. I'm not going to really preview this game because I'm just going to assume that the Suns, they're really good. Like Denver could beat them, but very few teams have beaten the Suns in general. And it's just one of those things that I'm I'm definitely not really expecting here. Um, but it's not an easy game for them back to back at altitude. They've had some guys that are down, whether they get Chris Paul back or Cam Johnson back or whatever, it is what it is. Like, I I just don't think that that's going to happen. Denver's not getting Murray or Porter back on that game. They are already declared out. So we will see where that goes. But the Mavs. Let's transition into another game. Mavs beat the Rockets uh, tonight pretty handily. Nothing major. They even they didn't even have uh, Luka Doncic for that game. Jalen Brunson just took over. Dorian Finney Smith played really well. The Rockets are trash. They're just an awful basketball team. So I'm not surprised that they were able to win. I do think that if you're the Nuggets, uh, you probably can say goodbye to a top five seed. Given what's going on with the Mavs, they have their full two games up right now in the standings right now on Denver, and they also have the head break, the tie to the tiebreaker in the head-to-head matchup. So it's basically three games. Denver can't make up three games in out of nine games left. That's just not going to happen. Like if they went nine and zero, maybe, but it's probably not going to happen that way. Miami. They lost to the Golden State Warriors. Golden State went into Miami on the second night of a back-to-back after Draymond Green had basically lit into their team about being soft, about like not being ready, about not executing well. He gets the night off. Klay Thompson gets the night off. Steph Curry's obviously out. And they still beat Miami in Miami. That's a pretty impressive win. And it seemed like Miami lost their cool in that game. Actually, it's definitely true that Miami lost their cool in that game. Jimmy Butler seemed like he wanted to fight head coach Eric Spolstra in a third quarter timeout. Udonis Haslam said verbally, and mostly screamed it, to Jimmy Butler that he wanted to knock Butler's ass out, which is objectively hilarious. It is hilarious how heat culture is lauded as this like unimpeachable unassailable culture where guys they just bind together through the sheer willpower of Eudonis Hasla, Eric Spolstra, and Pat Riley. And Jimmy Butler was kind of the poster child of that. Obviously, like you're not just like this is just a one one off kind of thing. They're still as the one seed in the Eastern Conference. But I do think that they are a pretty weak one seed in general that they could be upset if not by like they're probably like the Brooklyn Nets if they played Brooklyn that would be a scary series for them they'd probably like or not probably they might be able to make it work but i do think that if they face Brooklyn i'd probably pick Brooklyn cuz the mandate on Kyrie Irving and his team or his uh his situation that seems to have gone away So we will see if that stays like that. I'm not really sure. We're just going to have to figure it out from here. But Golden State is probably a top three seed, given where the standings look right now. I think Utah and Dallas are going to be in the 4-5. Whether one's the 4, one's the 5 remains to be seen. But Golden State with that win, Utah with a loss to Boston, where Boston just slapped around the Jazz In Boston. That to me seems like a big, big, big opportunity uh, for Dallas and Utah to really figure themselves out. But we'll see. We will see for sure. Like I said, Boston, they slapped around the Jazz. It's not just the Nuggets that are getting slapped around by Boston. Boston's doing it to literally everybody. People are talking about Quinn Snyder maybe being on the hot seat. And it's funny that. Michael Malone gets a gets an extension today, and that despite the adversity that the Nuggets have faced, Denver is still in the driver's seat on continuity and making sure that they keep their core together, keep their group together. There is something to be said for that, that despite the fact that they haven't had a great like, playoff run this last year, and they'll probably not do great in the playoffs this year, they felt okay giving Michael Malone an extension. And it feels like Quinn Snyder, one of the longest tenure coaches in the NBA, one of the best coaches in the NBA, is probably going to lose his job after the playoffs. It's what I'd expect. But it's funny because Gobert can't really play any other way other than drop. If you switch him, then the rest of his team just gets all screwy. They don't necessarily play well at that point. If you're... Donovan Mitchell, and you're looking at the rest of the roster. Boyan Bogdanovich has been injured. Mike Conley is very old. Rudy Gobert is not a great fit. Donovan Mitchell at some point might be thinking about his future in Utah and whether that's the place where he wants to be. I think that's objectively hilarious. So Denver's still in a great place comparatively to a lot of these teams. And the Jazz are good. Like They're still a good team, but they're not great. That's for sure. Memphis, finally, on this front. Memphis, they beat Brooklyn without John Morant on ESPN tonight. There is just no easy path for Denver. And Memphis, I think, really embodies that. That even if Denver stays out of the play even if they get to a top-six seed, And Memphis, let's say they drop to the three. I don't really think that that's going to happen, but let's say they do. You've still got to beat Memphis. And they're a team that's 15-2 and without Ja Morant because they have such a great supporting cast, because they have got so much depth. And Ja Morant is a legitimate star. There's no doubt about that. But I do think that if you're the Nuggets, you're looking at that and you're thinking, man, I really don't want to face Phoenix. Not really sure I'd want to face Memphis either. Not really sure I'm seeking out that matchup. Not really sure I'm seeking out a matchup with Golden State. Same with Utah. Like, there's just, there are some tough matchups in the West this year. I think that's one of the reasons why we might have seen a shift with Denver's mentality with Murray and Porter and how they kind of factor into all this. So, we will see. We will see. But either way, Memphis, really, really good team. They're a fun team if Denver kind of struggles, then I want to see Memphis do well. Like You want to see them challenging some of these other teams, some of these big market teams. And if they played a series against Memphis, or not Memphis, if they played played a series against Phoenix, I would be very intrigued by how they match up. I think that seems like a very interesting matchup for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Denver's five biggest priorities down the stretch. We'll be right back. All right, final segment here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. One more thing before we get into the priorities. Uh, this game between the Sixers and the Lakers just finished up. The Sixers got that win. Joel Embiid had 30-10, 3-3-3. Uh, he's fantastic. Like, nobody, nobody here needs to know that he's fantastic. He's been a top three player in the NBA. I personally think he's been third. I think that Giannis has been second and Joker's been first. But this was a good game for the Sixers, despite the fact that they didn't have to face LeBron or Anthony Davis. like This was a good win for them. So let's get into this final segment here and let's get into the conversation about the biggest priorities down the stretch. What should the Nuggets be looking for As this season winds down, as they kind of get into playoff priorities, what are they looking for? How are they looking to approach these final games? I think there are five, or actually there are six is what I'm going with here. I think the biggest priority in general, and this one you can really separate from the others, is you want to get as healthy as possible. And you control what you can control here, right? Like if that means that you get Murray and Porter back, then that's fantastic. Like you want to play those guys. You want to give them an opportunity that if they can be healthy, then you give them an opportunity to show that. And if they feel good and, and they're medically cleared, and I don't think there's any reason to – like I, I get the narrative about playoff basketball, and I understand that there's a there's a high intensity, there's a high minutes load. If those guys play and then they only play like 15 20 minutes a night, that's still 15 to 20 minutes of your second and third best player. Like that would be helpful. If those guys caught fire in a stretch, perhaps they might be a little bit better defensively than let's say Bryn Forbes, who would be the other guy in that stretch that you're looking to to say, "Man, I wish that guy was a little bit better defensively or I wish that guy could get could catch fire just a little bit more frequently. Maybe it's Murray. Maybe it's Porter. Maybe you replace Porter with Jeff Green, or you replace Jeff Green or Jamichael Green, or maybe some Demarcus Cousins minutes with a Porter, or I don't know. Like, let's say you need Zeke Naji. Let's say you need a, a kind of a one-on-one forward defender in your matchup. Hypothetically, let's say it's the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's say you have to face off against Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson, or maybe it's Ja Morant and uh, Brandon Clark as they're trying to work through their rotations. Zeke Najee's a guy who can switch, who's very capable of moving his feet, and you're going to need some good switch defenders in a game against the Memphis Grizzlies. They're just going to like be massively, massively important. So you want to get as many guys as healthy as possible. You know that Jermichael Green's been dealing with stuff, Aaron Gordon's been dealing with stuff, Will Barton, etc. You want to see if those guys can get right and as healthy as possible, 90 to 95% capacity, maybe 100% heading into a playoff series. That would be great. But again, you control what you can control. If guys aren't healthy, if guys aren't ready, then you don't push them to get ready. But you got to at least game plan for the possibility, I think. Number two, avoid the play in. I would say under any circumstances, but given that Memphis is going to be the two seed, and if you're hoping to face them instead of facing, let's say, Golden State, I'd understand maybe looking to try to get Memphis in that situation. And if Memphis is going to be the two, maybe you want to be the seven. Now you play with fire a little bit there and you have to win a one game matchup against probably the Los Angeles Clippers. But I think that Denver can do that. I really do. I think that if they're locked in, if they're playing physically, we've seen them play against the Clippers and play pretty well. And all those games have been pretty close. But I do think that if the health of each team kind of stays about the same, then there's only so much better that the Clippers can do, in my opinion. I think that Denver can still reach a new threshold there. So, but maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to avoid the playing, and maybe you just want to outpace Minnesota. You want to make sure that you're guaranteed a playoff spot. You feel pretty good about that. If you get into the playoffs, that's probably the best argument for Nikola Jokic, is that Despite all the injury issues, despite all of the inconsistencies around him, he was able to stabilize things along with Michael Malone, and they helped Denver get to the playoffs. That's a pretty good argument. That's a really, really good argument given the stats that he's also putting up too. So I think that that's one thing that Denver's going to be obviously looking at. You're going to try to avoid it. You've got nine games left if you go seven and two, if you go six and three. I think you're probably there. If you go 5-4, a little bit more dicey. But 6-3 probably gets it done. If it doesn't get it done, then that would be impressive from the T-Wolves, who can only get to 50 wins. So if they go 49-33, and 33, that means they go 7-1 and one the rest of the way against a really tough schedule. So we'll see. Number three. I think one of the things that Denver has to be looking at here Michael Malone kind of touched on this in the post-game presser after last game. I think you want to find opportunities not just to shrink the rotation, because that's what he specifically mentioned, but find opportunities for Bones, Highland, and Monte Morris, and Bones, Highland, and Will Barton minutes with the bench units, where you have two guys out there haven't necessarily played a ton of minutes lately together, Monte Morris, Will Barton, you want to see if those guys can stagger against the opposing bench units, especially some good teams. You want to see if they can play well in those situations, but it's tough, right? How are those situations going to look with Austin Rivers out there wanting to get minutes with Bryn Forbes out there wanting to get minutes, Jamichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, maybe Zeke Naji. If you get some other healthy guys back, then maybe that sort of shifts things around entirely. But I still think that you want to see what Bones looks like playing next to a couple starters, playing in situations where maybe he's playing with Jokic a little bit more. You want to see what he looks like and whether he can handle that load and whether the other guys can play off of him reasonably well. Because I think we know what it looks like with Monte and Bones when Monte has the ball or Barton and Bones, when Barton has the ball, Bones is going to be a pretty good floor spacer, not going to do that much more on the offensive end. And the defense is going to look a little bit weird, but if you have Bones as the playmaker, honestly, whether Monte and Barton can be impactful in those situations, what the team looks like, how they defend, etc. If that happens, You try to get prepared for the playoffs that way, and then you see what Bones can do. That's probably one of those things that he's a guy who can be a higher volume and also a higher variance kind of player that might win a playoff game if he gets hot at home. He might be one of those guys that if he travels pretty well, that would be extremely important, extremely impressive for a rookie player. Now, does anybody expect it? I don't think it, I don't think it's healthy to expect that from a rookie on the road in a playoff environment for the first time. That would be tough, but if he can give you some good minutes, that'd be a big deal. Number four, if Zeke Naji is healthy, I want to see what he can provide in at least a couple games before the playoffs arrive, because right now, what we're looking at. For Denver's bench rotation. So you've got Jamichael Green as a four, who can sometimes play the five. You've got DeMarcus Cousins as a traditional five. And that's pretty much it. Vlaco Chanchar has been out. He's probably not going to be somebody that you can trust. Jeff Green could rotate in with the second unit. Aaron Gordon could rotate in with the second unit. Nikola Jokic, obviously, he's probably going to play 40 minutes or so every night. So in the four to five minutes each half that he doesn't play, Denver's going to have to be really solid. And whether that's with DeMarcus Cousins or whether you have to downsize in certain matchups, Denver needs to know whether Zeke Najee is a guy that they can downsize for. If he's going to be a guy that can switch and rebound a little bit and space the floor and guard one-on-one, That's going to be important. That is a very important playoff skill set. But I'm not sure if Denver knows how he fits into the rotation. I do think he's a good basketball player. But Denver, I think that in most of the lineups where Zeke has played without Jokic, he's been pretty bad, or the Nuggets have been pretty bad. So you got to figure it out. You got to figure out whether it's Zeke, whether it's the rotation, whether it's somewhere in the middle. But if he can contribute, that would be great. If not, then you're definitely glued to Jermichael Green and Demarcus Cousins. And that might be fine. But there are situations where those guys are just too big and not fast enough. Number five. Get Bryn Forbes going before the playoffs. Like Bones, he's one of those guys that could win you a playoff game. Austin Rivers did it for Denver last year. Game three. Against the Blazers, hits like five threes, six threes, makes every shot that matters, really wins a game on the road against a really solid backcourt in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Bryn Forbes could do something similar with his shooting. He's had games in the playoffs before where he's put up 25 plus, 20 plus, and really tipped the scales in favor of his team. Now he is a defensive liability, and if Denver had just four plus defenders around him, I think it would be less important. Like the Bucks did when they had Bryn. You could play him next to Giannis, you could play him next to Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Pat Conton There were a lot of good defenders in Milwaukee, and I think there are less good defenders in Denver right now. So, Bryn Forbes. His defensive liabilities might look a little bit more liable in Denver, but he can counteract that if he shoots the shit out of the ball. That's something that, like, look, if you give up two points or give up 1.5 points every possession, as long as you're generating two points per possession by hitting these crazy threes, which he's capable of doing, then teams will live with that. That is a stretch Where if the other team misses a shot at a very inopportune time, they get back-to-back Bryn Forbes threes. That's a playoff momentum changer. And it's how you steal wins. It's these little pockets of time within a playoff game, not necessarily just the overarching game itself. You've got to steal minutes, especially for Denver where they're kind of at a talent disadvantage in a lot of these series. So... Get Bryn Forbes going before the playoffs. See if he could be a guy that in the playoffs you can turn to. And last thing, find opportunities to rest Jokic and the starters just a little bit. I know Jokic is probably not going to want to rest. I know that the starters are probably not going to want to rest, especially given that Denver's in a situation where they need to go like six and three. You need to go like seven and two. In order to guarantee that you can get to the playoffs. And not just the play-in. These guys are competitive. They know what it takes. They know that they need to figure some things out. Now let's say if Michael Porter Jr. And or Jamal Murray were to come back. Then you also want to play those guys. So they could develop some chemistry. With the incoming new pieces. So it's going to be hard to find rest. But I wonder if over the last week or two. If there are going to be opportunities to rest Jeff Green for a game, rest Aaron Gordon for a game. Will Barton, play him 15 minutes in a game as opposed to 30. Monte Morris, let Bones Highland start. Let Faku play a bench game as the bench point guard. And let Monte sit for a game because Monte has been so consistent this year. Give him an opportunity to take a day off. And hopefully Denver can still get a win. They can still pick up a win, hopefully against a bad team like the Lakers or the Spurs or if Memphis sits all of their guys down the stretch. like There are going to be some places to sit some players in some lower-quality moments, I think. Not lower-quality, lower-intensity moments. If Denver can do that, I think it will benefit them. You do not want to go into the playoffs having been grounded to dust for 82 games. That's an easy way to underperform in the first round and then get bounced a little bit too early. So I hope that the Nuggets are okay. I hope that they get to a situation where they feel pretty good health-wise. That's obviously the most important thing. But if you can find a way to get some rest opportunities while avoiding the play-in tournament, kind of threading that needle, getting everything that you want then the team will be better off for it. Hopefully they get some reinforcements too. That would make a world of difference for sure. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. I will be back after the game tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul might be back for that one. Cameron Johnson might be back for that one. Denver's not getting their reinforcements. We will see. We will see what happens. It's a game that I have penciled in as a Nuggets loss. If they win it, that sort of flips everything, doesn't it? Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys very soon.